Good morning, church. So good to be with you. Uh, it's so exciting to be in this series where we are pressing into the truth um, that, that Jesus commanded it. Uh, we heard last week when Dan was speaking, there, there's this command to be, to be strong, to be courageous, to not be afraid. And so here we are standing together or sitting in this place where we are fearless. And, and it's not that we are fearing less, it's that we are fearless. Why? Why? Because we serve the God who created all of this, who's made a way for this, who loves us, who knows us so deeply and intimately, and who desires uh, for us to walk in fullness. That's why and how we live fearlessly. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 94. And we are specifically going to be on one verse, and I'm going to read the four around it, and then we're going to go back through and and just briefly touch on, on the layers Therein. So Psalm 94, verse 16 says this Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, My foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. What we are going to be pressing into church today is is this idea that uh, when anxiety was great within the author of this psalm, it's God's consolation that brought him joy. Now this idea, this this thought, this... um, this word anxiety comes out of fear. And, and remember, uh, you have two options for where your, your emotions, for where your response are coming from. It's either from love or it's from fear. That means that anger comes out of a place in fear. Anxiety comes out of fear. And if you look up the, some of the top drugs that are being prescribed across North America, you'll see that anti-anxiety medication is right up there it's most likely that you or somebody you know has or is struggling with anxiety. So, you know what, I I just want to pray and I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Father, we know that your heart is for us to be healed, to be free, to be whole. And so I pray for anybody who's listening right now, Anybody who is, is carrying the weight of anxiety, of ongoing anxiety, I pray a breaking of that in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would open eyes to see that you are, are the great healer. To see that, that when we fix our eyes on you, when we shift our our affections towards you. We partake in your love and we know that perfect love drives out fear. And so I pray that 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 will be a reality today. 
And we lift those up around us, those who we know. And church, just right now, I want you to invite, uh, and if, if you're in a place that's safe and you can say the name out loud, great, say it out loud. If, if not, then just speak it, uh, speak it in your mind. Uh, we bring these people before you, Lord, people who need your healing, who need your freedom. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Church, there's, there's freedom. There's freedom from this, this thing called anxiety. And, and what I want to say is if you're journeying with a medical practitioner who's prescribed medication, I want you to keep journeying with them. Uh, if you want to cut back on medication as a result of hearing God's invitation, do it in concert with them. One of the beautiful things as we journey with the field of medicine is it gives proof when miracles happen. It's documented proof when, when miracles happen. So don't be afraid to journey. Talk with them, journey with them, move, move ahead. To the psalmist here is saying, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. And we're not going to read through the whole psalm. There's a lot going on. Some people, uh, some commentary uh, scholars would say that this psalm was written by a couple of people. One of them may have been David. One of them may have been uh, some, other, some other scholar from that time or a psalmist. And uh, the first one opens up with this appeal to God. The Lord is a God who avenges, a God who avenges Sean forth. What follows in verses 5 to 7 is this description of wicked leaders of the people. So it's not even wicked people from outside. It's wicked people who are within the people of God, within the nation of Israel. And so in verses 8 to 11, the psalmist denounces these people. He rebukes them for not recognizing how great God is. And, and this is followed by this praise for those who do trust and obey God. And then we arrive in, in our section, verses 16 to 19, and the psalmist then closes verses 20 to 23 with a declaration of his faith in God's justice. So I, I want to encourage you, we're not going to read that right now, but I want to encourage you, go back and read it. The word used for anxiety in this, this psalm is, is many troubled thoughts. As I was studying this week, I recognized there are so many different anxiety descriptors, so many different places that, that you can find in the, the diagnostic statistics manual. Uh, I think there's, there's up to nine or ten that are actually related to types of anxiety disorders. And see, sometimes anxiety can just be in the moment where, where you have many troubled thoughts about a situation and then it passes. There's other times when anxiety seems to always be present. It's important that we don't just dismiss it. It's important that we understand and acknowledge that, that there is a battle, that it's a real battle, that anxiety is real. And this, this idea, this topic, I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to spend two different Sundays on it. Today we're focusing on the consolation of God that brings joy, that pushes out anxiety. The other layer to that is, is, is anxiety really is a tool of the enemy. It's a tool of the enemy to keep us in a perpetual state of fear. And so we need to understand how the enemy's working, understand how to counter the enemy. But, but what's more important, 
than any of that is that we understand that, that, that God is the bringer. He's the giver of, of consolation, of consoling. He's, he's the one that replaces anxiety with joy. See, what, what happens here is there's this beautiful, amazing exchange that takes place. So if you go into a store to purchase something, there is an exchange that happens, isn't there? You bring in your money and you give it to whoever's selling the product that you're selling. And in exchange for your money, you receive that project, maybe a product. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, it's new headphones. Maybe it's uh, groceries. Maybe it's any number of things. There's this exchange. And it's almost like there's this exchange of, of good for good. The money's good. The product's good. It's this great exchange. That's, that's how we interface and work with people. This exchange is different. And, and this is the way that God works. See, this exchange is, is we bring our anxiety. We bring our troubled thoughts. We bring any of those things that, that are, are are negative, any of those, those things that come out of fear. And we bring them to God. And the exchange that we get back from God is, is he receives and takes our anxiety, our troubled thoughts. And in exchange, we receive his joy. Do you understand that? Do you, do you get that? It's really important that, that we hear that. See, we bring, we bring the, the garbage and, and he gives us the brand new product. We bring him the hurt and he gives us the healing. And all of this really centers on, on this, this idea of of being in God's presence. It all centers on that because as we move in with anxiety, as we move into that place and we come before God, when we see his face, when we rest in his presence, that's where the exchange happens. See, sometimes we don't receive an exchange and it could be from any number of reasons. It could be that, that we've gone in with, with a heart of, of being vindicated or of feeling sorry for ourselves or of uh, our hearts focused on the wrong things. So rather than being focused on God who wants to give us healing, we're focused on ourselves. That can be a reason. Sometimes we just don't make the space to go in. Sometimes we make make the space, but we don't wait long enough. I, there's so many different reasons. But God is a God who loves us, whose heart is to pull the anxiety from us and to replace it with joy. That's his heart. 
in a number of places throughout Scripture. God's presence, remember God's presence is the source of that consolation, is described as his face. The Hebrew word for presence that's used in a number of places is his face. Literally, we are called to seek his face. Remember Moses in Exodus 33, it records that that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. See, God would speak to Moses face to face. There would be that encounter of God's presence. Now, what comes next in this verse is, is beautiful. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, then Moses would return to camp. So Moses would go back to doing the things that he did as a leader, to leading the people, to doing those things. But his young aide, the man who was being trained up, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So envision that. First of all, being allowed to be in the tent while Moses is in, in union, in dialogue with God, face to face. Amazing. What was going on for Joshua? I can only imagine that his taste of being near the presence of God was something that he longed to hold on to. He longed to be a part of. And Joshua would, would then succeed Moses. He would succeed Moses as the one who would lead Israel into the promised land. He would succeed Moses and be the one to tell the Israelites, don't be afraid. Be strong, be courageous. There's this amazing song that's, that's moving around uh, and has been moving around for the last couple of months. And it's based on the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. It was all about, it was all about being in the presence and receiving the presence of God. Jesus articulated this idea of exchange so clearly. And he didn't only articulate it, but then he went and he did it. Matthew 11, verse 28. So what happens in Matthew 11, just before these verses that we're going to read, is, is Jesus is talking about how he knows the Father. The Father knows him, and he reveals who the Father is. He, he brings the face of God into physical being in the world. He is the presence of God. And he says this, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. What I give you 
you'll be able to move with and to carry. So, so here's one thing to know is, is we were actually created to work. We were created to do good. We were created, right? The first missional mandate way back in Genesis was that we were created to represent God on this planet, to care for the whole planet. That was the first missional mandate that we were given. What Jesus is saying here is, hey, I I want to restore you back to that place. And he says, come. Come to me. Let me ask you this. Is there a space in your life right now that you are weary and that you're burdened? Is there a space where you've got these troubled thoughts coming at you, filling your brain, overwhelming you? Jesus' invitation to his disciples is as relevant to us now as it was then. Jesus is saying, come. Come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, I'm going to take the weariness and the burden off of you. I'm going to give you joy and I'm going to put you in that place where you're doing exactly what you're called to do. This is, in essence, the gospel, isn't it? I was having a conversation with a friend last week who, and we were dialoguing about N.T. Wright and how N.T. Wright, um, he has a lot of things right. He has this thing right especially. That's awful. My dad would love that. That's for you, Dad. N.T. Wright uh, articulates that, that the, the beginning of the gospel is that we are saved. So understanding who Jesus was. Jesus was sent by God to live a perfect life, to minister on the world. He was sent to the cross. He was crucified. He died on the cross and he rose again. As we believe it in our hearts and speak it with our mouths, we are saved. And unfortunately, in historically, in evangelicalism, we've put such an emphasis on that piece, and, and we articulate that's the gospel, and we forget that there's so much more that comes after it. It's almost as though that part of the gospel is about one-eighth of it. It's an essential and it's an important one-eighth, but it's one-eighth of it. The seven-eighths, the seven other-eighths, of it are where all of a sudden we step into this partnership with God. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. That's, that's the first one eighth. Take my yoke upon you. Watch how I do it. Come and do what I do. That's the second, third, fourth, and so on to finish that whole equation of the gospel. It's, it's imperative. It's imperative that we understand that. It's imperative that we, that we get it. So Jesus articulated 
this truth, right? This exchange. It was you come to Jesus, you bring all of your weariness, all of your burden, you bring all of your mess. And what does he give? He gives you rest. Man, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. So how did he do it? One example is of the woman who had this bleeding disorder and, and she, she was, had sought any number of ways, any number of, of solutions and nothing was stopping the bleeding. And she heard, she heard about the rabbi. She heard about Jesus who was coming near. Now, she should not have been anywhere near that because of her condition. Her condition technically made her unclean. And so she was breaking protocol, which would have had significant social implications for her. There, there would have been consequences. There would have been shunning. There would have been this rejection in addition to what she had already been facing for all of these years. Do you think that that would have caused some degree of anxiety? Do you think that possibly as she journeyed through life, trying to, trying to, to find health, trying to find healing, do you think that she was probably troubled in her mind? I do. And yet her desire, her longing to be in the presence of God, her longing to get well overcame all of that, right? And so she went to Jesus. She went to him. And all she did was, was touch the edge of, of his robe. And healing went through her. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. She knew that she was well. And and Jesus pauses. And in the midst of being crowded, in the midst of being being in in dialogue with, with how many people at the same time and all the pressing, and he goes, stop, who touched me? Remember his disciples said, well, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. And he goes, no, 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 something happened. I, I, felt, I felt the power go out. And what happened was the Holy Spirit moved through and brought healing to this dear woman. She exchanged her weariness, her burden, and had the consolation and presence of Jesus and walked away with joy from the healing. Here's the thing for us, church. If, if the first, the, the, the first one-eighth is getting saved. The second is then pressing in and walking the way that Jesus did. And so, so Jesus walked and lived and ministered on earth in exactly the same capacity that you and I did. He chose to set his divinity aside. He was still, he was still God, but he set it aside and functioned exactly the way that you and I do as human beings 
when he was baptized by John, he received the Holy Spirit. And it's in John that, that John, John articulates the Holy Spirit remained on him. So Jesus moved and functioned. He lived. So he didn't need saving because he was the Savior, but he, he lived the, the second through eight, that, that, that other part of the gospel. He lived it and modeled the way that we are to live it. I heard one person articulate this presence of God and the Holy Spirit this way, that the Holy, the Holy Spirit is in you for you. He's in you to guide, to convict, to bring life, but that he's on you for others. And what we see here from Jesus is this truth of the Holy Spirit being on him and moving through him and providing healing. And that's the same call for you and I. That's the same call for you and I. Do you remember on Pentecost Sunday, we were in my garage and I had this big uh, tub and it was filling with water. And I heard from other people afterwards that they were going, oh no, it's going to overflow. It's going to go on all the electronics. Here's the thing. There's actually a drain in that floor in case you didn't know. And the water was, but the water was overflowing. That's the invitation for us with God's spirit. See, as long as the Holy Spirit stays in the bucket, as long as the water stays in the bucket, that's great. That's on there for us. But as soon as it starts to overflow, it becomes for others. Acts 2 This is where Peter's speaking. He's telling people, he's saying, God's raised this Jesus to life. We're all witnesses, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Romans 15 Paul says this, may the God of hope fill you. So he's, he's drawing all of, all of these statements, all of this teaching, all this guidance to a close. He's saying, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when, when we grab on to that first part of the gospel, the first part. Remember that first one-eighth. What happens is, is there's this miraculous restoration where all of a sudden the world no longer satisfied satisfies us or our needs. And, and that's because we have the presence of God that comes alive in us. We're given this this incredible mandate where, where we're called to then be kingdom bringers. We're called to usher in the kingdom of heaven into the world around us. And this is again where there's that idea of exchange, right? 
And we're talking about anxiety, but you could replace anxiety with anger or any other, other thing that comes out of fear. See, those things cannot invade the kingdom of heaven. There's just, there's no chance that they can move into the kingdom of heaven because God's presence is everywhere in the kingdom of heaven. His fullness is everywhere in the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of heaven can invade our world. And and that's what happens. That's the consolation. That's what happens as we make space and, and live oriented towards God. See, our first model is Jesus. And Jesus showed, he modeled, he, he healed every single person that came to him. He, he did it. But then Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to the Father and I want you to be encouraged because you're going to do greater things than what I've done. Two examples of that. Peter. Acts 5. People are bringing sick people into the streets. They're laying them on bed mats uh, right along the, the way to the temple with the, the hope and the desire that Peter's shadow would just, would just touch them as they walked by. Crowds were gathered and people brought sick, those tormented by impure spirits, and it says all of them were healed. See, just, just the shadow of Peter, who, who was a human being, he wasn't divine. He, he didn't have Jesus. And, and the only reason that he could be called sinless was because of what Jesus did. And that access to the sinless life is the same for every single one of us when we choose Jesus. We stand before God, sinless. There's nothing for us to be anxious about. There's nothing for us to be paranoid about. We're covered. The next part is that, that we, we move. We move in the presence, carrying the presence of God. Paul was another example in Acts 19 where God did extraordinary miracles where, where Paul would, would have touched handkerchiefs or pieces of cloth and those, those pieces of cloth removed from Paul would be taken to places and people were healed and restored. Amazing. Again, that's the exchange that's the exchange. When anxiety was great within me, when sickness was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. I'm going to invite Danielle. Um, Danielle, if you want to come up here. And we heard from Danielle earlier, and she's just going to jump in with us now. There you go. And, um, good morning. Hey, yeah. Good morning. Thanks. Hey, yeah. Just, just a little interlude here. Um, last week, uh, I had the chance to do Sunday school with Danielle's curriculum. Danielle, it was awesome. Thank you for that. Awesome. We moved through good that. I was way too long winded. Where am I at for time right now? 
It's not, it might not be the only time. Anyways, uh, I want to encourage you parents, uh, anybody, take some time and use this curriculum that Danielle's prepared for you. You can even set your older kids up to do it with the younger kids, but it's good. It's rich. And, and Danielle's tracking as she's writing. She's tracking with this uh, fearless series. So Danielle, um, can you, so we were talking about this story of exchange, right? 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. So there's this idea of trading anxiety for joy. Can you just, just tell us a little bit about, um, about your journey with anxiety? Uh, just give us a little background yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, so in about grade 10, so going on just a little bit more than 10 years ago now, I was diagnosed with a panic attack or panic disorder and anxiety disorder, um, which obviously went hand in hand. And there were definitely moments of just massive darkness of not knowing when is this ever going to end? When am I going to get out of this? And one of the events that really triggered um, an awareness of this was on a flight where I was flying from YVR to Italy. And probably within the last 30 minutes of that flight, um, just this awareness sunk in of, oh my goodness, I'm fully trapped in this, this metal tube up in the sky. And I was in the very middle seat on the plane. There were several people on either side of me, the aisle, another several people on either side. And I just felt this massive claustrophobia, like I needed to get off of this plane right now. And like there was so much stopping me, of course, I couldn't just jump out the window. Um, but more than that, my, my heart would just, was just pounding louder than I thought it could ever, could ever pound. My legs were shaking. I, I completely forgot where I was. And yet there, in this, this feeling of being like in a dream, there was also this massive of reality, this realness of I need to escape. Um, and just, just this feeling of dread and massive fear that went alongside of it. So needless to say, that was the beginning of a journey that's taken place over the last 10 plus years. And, and what spurred on was quite also a massive um, dislike of flying, which I think we'll later get into as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Mm. Actually, that's not awesome. But thank you for sharing um, yeah, sincerely. Uh, so describe, so I think you're going to talk a little bit specifically about our trip when we went to Guatemala, mm -hmm. but describe for us, um, because it's one thing for us to hear, oh, you're afraid of flying, mm -hmm. but this was a little bit beyond that, right? This was, tell us kind of how your body would respond even building up to before the flight, the yeah. days or weeks, and then right before. Just, just give us a little glimpse of that. For sure. Um, so I, I mean, needless to say, so that was 10 years ago. I have, I have flown a few times since. However, there was still, as Joel mentioned, as you say, massive anxiety on the lead up to those flights. And so there'd be months and weeks of, of just this dread of, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can even like step foot on this plane. It would just consume everything, consume my thoughts, consume take away joy for sure as you're speaking of um that when we when we do give our anxiety to god he does replace it with joy and i think there was a there was an aspect of that that was stripped when i was just living in this bundle of fear that that caused um caused more than just limitations on a, an ability to get on a plane for sure yeah can you so i remember um before we went to guatemala mm -hmm. there you were mentioning to me i actually don't even we might get 
to the airport and then I might I might not get on the flight. Can you just yeah, totally. on that a little bit? It sounds so dramatic, but in the moment, man, it felt real. Um, I The Sunday before, so Peter Metcalf had invited our team up on the stage. He was going to pray. We were just going to share a little bit about what we were going to be doing in Guatemala. And I remember taking steps, walking up onto the stage, thinking, oh my goodness, the whole church is going to know if I don't get on this plane. They're now knowing that I'm a part of this team, but if I don't get there, what's that going to look like? Um, and I remember thinking, like, Jesus, I just, I just pray that you show up. I just pray for this release of, of fear and tremendous anxiety um, because there is, there's so much beyond, beyond fear that we can step into and that invitation is there. Um, but yeah, going back to that question, Joel, for sure there was, there's this um, just sheer panic of like, what is this going to look like? And, and the fear of the unknown and, and what, that also, what that would also look like for me. Great. Okay, so let's tell us now because something happened there was some 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 uh, shift happened, mm-hmm. uh, and I want you to use your words to articulate, but but help us understand uh, how God moved and what you experienced mm-hmm. uh, as you as you moved through that trip. Even totally, yeah, um, it was so sweet. I so we had five flights getting to and from Guatemala in total, and I would say after after the first flight, there was just a complete reversal from walking in, like stepping on the plane, shaking, thinking, I don't know how this is going to end, to then walking off the plane, getting onto the next plane of this awareness of, and this, the, yeah, the awareness of this, of this peace that was like beyond words and this nearness and the sweetness of God's presence that I just, I just yearned to stay in, um, and just nestle within, um, knowing that, knowing that the only reason this was happening was because of God's goodness and his ability to deliver from fears. And so it was something completely different walking on that second flight thinking, okay, this is okay. I think we're going to be all right. God, I feel you. You're so near. And then stepping onto like that last final fifth flight thinking, this is fun. There's joy in this, which I thought like even, even afterwards thinking, I never would have thought I would ever see anything like this. And um, to know and to taste freedom like that was just... It was just so, so sweet. And to know like the breakthrough of God, it's available for us. And so when we, I think something too that really stood out was the ability to um, release our control to the only one who does have control over our situations to, to give that um, the lack of peace to the one who is man, the prince of peace, um, because only he can deliver us from those things. And when that day happens or when that comes, when we receive that, oh, it's so good. So good. Excellent. Yeah. Daniel, you said um, it, just the, the desire to, to stay in God's presence, to mm-hmm. nestle in yeah. to his presence. I think that's something that's so important for us to understand. And I think that's, that's actually how we access God's consolation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so looking at booking flights now and, and flying, how, how do you feel? What's your, what's your response there? Yeah, good. I, I know for sure this would not be something I would take months and months and months to try and wrap my head around and to kind of be at the forefront of my, of the, my mind. Um, but I think to that replacement, Joel, as you're saying, um, replacement of fear with joy that I think has been like a major switch and a major point of breakthrough for me in that one that, um, that I don't have to fear because God is with me and he's got a plan and whatever that plan is, I want to be part of it. Excellent. Thanks, Danielle. Yeah, yeah really appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead and give Danielle a little type and affirmation. Thank you. Uh, Danielle's living this, uh, this freedom, this, this trading of anxiety for joy. 
And so we love that. And that's just a taste because there's more. We prayed for, for some of us at the very beginning that, uh, that freedom, that joy that, that pushes out anxiety is available for us, for us all. So here, here's, here's the idea. Here's, here's the piece that we need to grab on to, that we exchange fear, we exchange anxiety for love and for joy as we dwell, as we rest in God's presence, as we rest in his presence. I, I heard somebody last week put it this way. They were, uh, they were capturing a conversation that happened between a journalist and an Olympian who had just won a medal at the Olympics. And this journalist was saying to the Olympian, thank you so much. Thank you for your dedication, your sacrifice, all those early mornings where, where we sleep in, you're up and you're training and you're training. And, and when we're going out for, for food, you're eating your careful diet. And, and the journalist got to about a minute and the, the Olympian runner said, whoa, 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 hang on. You, you actually, you don't understand. You don't, you don't understand this. See, see, the first thing that I love, I love to run. I just love to run. And so the, the trading, the, the early mornings and, and all of that is such a natural and easy thing for me because I love to run. And, and see, for us as, as followers of Jesus, as lovers of Jesus, the very first and most important piece has to be that, that we just love to be in God's presence. We, and we love him because he loved us first, but we just love to be in his presence. And when we rest in his presence, we trade anxiety, we trade anger, we trade frustration, we trade all of these, these things that come out of fear. We, we trade them, we bring our garbage, and, and we receive joy in return. I was thinking about this idea of consolation, and uh, it, it struck me as, uh, as I watched uh, one of my daughters, it was Tirza, just kind of toddle up to me, and she's got this kind of funny little, little cute little gait, and she toddles up to me, and she just puts her arms up like this. And I just, I reached down, and it doesn't happen every time, but she just come, came right in for a snuggle. And, and I, I put my arm under her little bum, and I, I put my hand on her back and on her head, and I just, I just consoled her, right? I, I just rocked her. I just held her in my arms. And, and we were present together. And, and our, our movement towards God needs to be the same church. We need to, to go after God and, and to raise our arms up and to wait as he picks us up and pulls us in and gives us the consolation that only God can give, that removes all anxiety, all fear, all darkness, and replaces it with his joy. I was reminded this last week 
of this prayer that I used to teach when I would do spiritual formation classes uh, in a in a different time, and it was a prayer. There's a whole number of different names for it. One of the names that it goes by is centering prayer, and and the idea of this prayer is to enter into the presence of God, and and there just to wait. You you don't go with with any agenda other than just seeking the presence or really the consolation of God. And in that place, healing, inner healing, just naturally occurs. And so church, I, I want you to take this with you. That when anxiety is great within you. Now you might be sitting there going, well, I don't really, I don't stress about anything. I'm not troubled by anything. Okay, well, there's a, there's a chance. Now it's possible that you are close to that, that level where you have no fear influence in your life. And you're functioning so well. And that's beautiful. We need you. We need you to lead us. We need you to, to press in with us. But for the rest of us who have sometimes anxiety, sometimes fear, sometimes anger, sometimes rage, sometimes sadness, sometimes depression, any of those things, they all come out of fear. When those things are present in your life, rest in the consolation of God. And wait for joy. Rest in the consolation of God. All you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest in that place. Now you might be saying, I've tried it, it doesn't work. Just rest, just wait. Well, how do I know that it's God? As soon as you sense joy, and peace and hope. It's God. Go to that place, rest, and allow God to bring his joy and to push out all of the anxiety, all the sadness, all the darkness. Sounds good, eh? We can do this, church. We can do this. There's no room for us, for us to step into after the, after the first eighth, for us to step in, into the two through eight of eights. We need, we need to be functioning in this place where God's consolation is, is replacing anxiety and darkness and the joy comes and the hope comes and we overflow. Would you pray with me? Father, We stand, we sit uh, from all different places. Some of us encouraged, some of us discouraged, some of us maybe overwhelmed by the things that we're, we're seeing in the world around of us. Some of us overwhelmed just by what is happening in our lives. God, you are greater than all of those things. And so I pray specifically for for those of us, for our friends who are wrestling with anxiety, with these troubling thoughts that overwhelm. In Jesus' name, I command the enemy to absolute silence. 
And friends, I just invite you into a posture, into a place of rest and waiting. And maybe that means you've got to shut something out or, or put something down, but, but move into that place and rest and wait. Make that exchange. Trade your, your anxieties. Trade them for the joy of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, church, be blessed. We're going to move into ministry time right now. I want to encourage you in your faithful giving, in your generosity. Uh, great job. We're pressing in. We're keeping on going with our mission and our ministry. We're going to hear more about what's happening in our global missions initiatives in the upcoming weeks, which I'm excited for you to hear about that. And uh, also, there are people who are listening right now and I know that there's a struggle. I know there's a struggle with anxiety or with something else. I really want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you to press the pray button. Press it so that we can pray with you. And, and maybe it's just an initial um, a, an initial uh, keyboard conversation that moves to a phone call. Uh, then that maybe you move into another place where you can meet together and pray. But take that step. Make a statement that says, I'm, I'm not going to be overrun by fear. So let us pray. Let's see more testimony, more like what Danielle shared about God bringing freedom and releasing us. I'm excited. I'm excited for us, church. Bless you. Have an amazing Sunday, and we'll see you soon.